Today, we've got Clive Prevost from Talk in South Africa. Clive is an extensively experienced OEM, automotive, and also finance operator who has extensive experience in the Asia Pacific markets and also in the African markets. He covers off agency, the plans on how to roll it out, best practice, the ups and the downs, benefits, and also the challenges. Let's get into it. With 30 years experience in auto logistics and state-of-the-art locations in five major Australian cities, Precar Fleet Services are a premier all-in-one solutions provider for commercial vehicle fleet operators, leasing companies, and original equipment manufacturers. Please visit precar.com.au and click on the link to Fleet Services. Thanks very much for joining us today. Maybe to kick things off, can you chat to us about the agency model and what it means? And to both Mark and yourself, thank you very much for the opportunity to have this discussion with you. Maybe as a bit of background and for the viewers who are not familiar with the automotive industry and for the purposes of this chat, let's just define OEM as the headquarter of the brand and the NSC is the national sales company which is present in most markets and of course the dealer as the dealer and I'll refer to the dealer under wholesale and agency because it'll just make it easier for the viewers to understand. To begin, I will also preface our discussion with a note that almost all markets are different when it comes to regulatory environments. And in some markets, conversion to agency is possible. And in others, it's it's very difficult. And equally important is the timing of the conversion because in certain cycles, there are cycles of high demand and low supply and vice versa. So this will have an impact. But now let's move to your question and what is agency and what is this agency model that OEMs are talking about? Globally, most OEMs distribute vehicles through national sales companies and then through independent dealers. In the wholesale model, we refer these entities as the franchise or wholesale dealers where the NSC is actually the wholesaler. So therefore, under wholesale, the dealer sets its own margin and is the retailer of the vehicle. However, under agency, the NSC becomes the retailer selling directly to the customer. The dealer, however, still remains integral to providing a consistent customer experience by representing the brand and delivering the vehicle to the customer. And for doing this, the dealer earns a commission rather than a margin which it was earning under the wholesale model. So under agency, of course, it's all about providing the customer a vastly improved customer experience under agency, the NSC no longer owns all the new car and in some markets, the demo car or courtesy car stock. Under agency, of course, customers are able to view all stock from the convenience of their homes, but simply the customer is not forced to go into dealership anymore if he or she doesn't want to interact with dealer staff. Of course, the customer is still able to visit a dealership, view the cars in the metal and smell the leather, kick the tires if they want, but it's Essentially, customers are given the option of an omni-channel experience. And you might say, well, we could just do this online. Yes, you could, but it's not yet agency. Agency does require a complete change in the way in which customers interact with the brand. Under agency, the NSC sets pricing, which is uh, consistent so that in Australia speak, the mate doesn't give the gears down the road when uh, he's bought a vehicle at one price and you've bought it at another price. So pricing, consistent, whether the mate is in Canberra or Perth, quite frankly, there's no more price squabbling because the price is the price and it is the price that customer will pay irrespective of the, where the customer decides to take delivery. To ensure that dealers don't compete on trading values because this 
is still an open point and dealers are still able to compete or maybe even fiddle on trading prices. Customers are often offered under agency an online estimate of the value of the trade-in and then have it confirmed by the dealer on physical inspection. Furthermore, some of the OEMs also insist that the trade-in is put on a quick online auction. And by quick, we mean 20 minutes, 30 minutes to ensure that the customer gets the best trade-in value for his used vehicle. And then lastly, the customer information is requested only once. You know how difficult it is or, or rather how irritating it is to be asked for that information by the OEM, to be asked for the information by the dealer, and maybe even by the financial services entity, which can then be used at a later stage for service interactions and marketing activities. Under agency, that information is requested once and once only, and of course, only if the customer is consented. This is a very contentious issue, so I'm def- definitely keen to draw on your expertise because you've uh, been involved in the rollout in, with agency in a number of markets. You talked about the, the competition for trading because the pricing is fixed, and I'm just keen, keen to get an understanding of the advantages that agency offers for OEMs and dealers, but particularly given that if the price is set, the whole idea is that it's a good customer experience. So this whole idea of haggling is gone, and then transparency on the trading. So therefore, you're not going to get post-purchase dissonance that I got a worse deal than my friend down the road. I therefore feel inferior. I'm not as good a negotiator. And I feel like I've, I've just been hard done by it. So I'm keen to understand is what are the advantages that it offers for the OEM and also for the dealer? Mark, as anybody in the motor industry will know, OEMs have hammered on about the customer experience that is inconsistent with the promises of the relevant brand and the fact that the OEM has masses of custom information and seldom does anything with it. We've heard that custom information is gold. But uh, of course, if gold remains in its raw state as all, there's little that one can do with it. So the idea is to refine customer information and use it to best advantage, not only for the OEM, but also for the customer. And, and let's just stick with the OEM. The conversion to agency allows the OEM to provide, a, I would say, a consistent, modern customer experience. And by modern, I mean, customers don't necessarily always want to go into dealerships anymore. They want to interact online, especially during COVID, it became more and more apparent that customers were becoming uh, familiar with shopping online, be it for clothing or groceries. If we look around the world, in the United States, in the UK, many customers are now purchasing vehicles online. As most customers start this car buying journey online, the customer will have access to all of the NEC's new car stock and with very clear pricing. That, if nothing else, is attractive to customers. Of course, it's attractive to OEMs who don't want to enter into that debate with customers as to whether they've got a good deal or don't have a good deal. Once the OEM has converted to agency and built up a bit of a history, then the OEM itself has the opportunity to order what I would call appropriate stock and not necessarily a broad range of stock, which then has to be sold at a discount because customers don't necessarily want to purchase that particular vehicle, maybe the vehicle that's been inappropriately specced. And it allows then the OEM to reduce the total inventory in order to have a faster stock 
turnover. And of course, that would uh, lead to lower costs for stock holding. As far as the customer interactions are concerned, the NSC now has the ability to recognize customer interactions with itself, the NSC as the retailer, using customer data uh, that they have accumulated and obviously to ensure that through monitoring and follow-up that the customer doesn't lose interest along that customer journey. You may have heard from OEMs, they're very concerned that they have customers uh, contacting dealers and then dealers not following up with the contact. And now the ball sits fairly and squarely with the NSC as the retailer to follow up with the customer, obviously through the dealer, but by the way, also directly with the customer, if the customer so wishes. And then of course, the OEM, as far as remarketing is concerned, has one sales system now and allows processes to be more efficient, allows the NSC in two years' time, three years' time to interact very specifically with one or more customers, if they so wish, with regard to remarketing activities. And then, of course, bottom line for the OEM, there has to be a positive business case for the OEM. Yeah, I'm very keen to get that balance view because it's, it's, a, it's a win for a customer. There's definitely wins for the OEM. Obviously, profitability for the OEM is a big one because you know, there's, there's margins that, that they're retaining and also the, the CRM and customer journey is, is controlled a lot better by the OEM. I'm just keen to hear now from your experience, what, what's the win for the dealer? As you're very well aware with your experience in uh, Australia and quite frankly, with my experiences in South Africa and elsewhere, there's a huge reluctance, at least in the beginning, for dealers to move to agency because they fear the unknown. Under wholesale, what happens is the wholesale model allows dealers to compete against one another. And of course, that's very healthy from a competitive point of view. But what happens is that there's almost always a competition on price. Dealers often discount their margins and sometimes even for that matter, incentives. In other words, going below cost uh, in order to to win the sale. And this is particularly prevalent at uh, month end, quarter end, where rebates are at risk from the NSC. Of course, the NSC cannot intervene because there's always the possibility of being seen as anti-competitive, which quite frankly is, is illegal in many markets. What we have now under agency is dealers competing on customer experience or customer satisfaction. So the better their experience or better their service to the customer, the more chance there is for dealers to track customers. Under wholesale, your discount kings may be dealers with huge resources had the ability to discount versus maybe the dealer in a rural area, which perhaps didn't have the ability to discount to that extent. And under agency, it's all about the customer and the customer selecting the dealer that provides the customer the most convenience and the best customer experience. So what I've seen are customers now choosing the dealer that is closest to them, dealers in the rural areas, perhaps winning more of the deals that they had under agency. One of the big attractions here under agency is that dealers are no longer required to hold and fund new, and in some cases, demonstrator and uh, courtesy car stock. With the rates of interest increasing worldwide at the moment, this could be a huge saving on dealers' income statements. And 
similarly on their balance sheets, which could show improvements in balance sheet KPIs with no new car stock, no associated financial liabilities. The dealers could use their uh, resources to further expand into the sale of used car stock, for example, or alternatively expanding into other areas which may be of interest to them. Might not necessarily be automotive, but let's hope it is. Maybe one of the big attractions is that dealers no longer have to fund new car marketing expenses. And by that, I mean advertising and so on, because essentially all marketing expenses become that of the national sales company. I've got a question there in relation to that, because yeah, you mentioned there's no need for them to advertise. In, in a traditional model, you talked about a price leader dealer would, and, and we see them in all cities, where dealers who punch above their weight division as far as getting unfair share, they've got, they pump out of their marketing area because people gravitate because they've advertised their, their brand of dealership plus the brand of product. Plus, they've also got competitive pricing, which makes people travel from one side of the city to the next to go to that dealership. So now with agency, there is no advantage to go to that other dealership. However, how does the dealer tell the story that from a point of difference, it's about customer service? If I've been one of those mega dealers and I can't compete anymore, my volumes will shrink immediately. So therefore, how do I then get a story out there that I'm a good customer experience dealer so it's worthwhile that person is still traveling across the city to come buy from me? because they can still service with their local dealer. How does that work? What, what, what are you seeing with the spend around that? Uh, certainly in the last five years of agency rollout, we have seen improvement in uh, customer experience on the sale of new cars. But of course, what the, the dealers are still expected to do because they own used cars is market their used cars and their after-sales department, be that service of vehicles, as well as the opportunity for customers to purchase parts and accessories. So there's still always the opportunity for dealers to market their own brand for everything except that of the new car when it comes to new car marketing and distribution. Bottom line, it still gives the, the, the opportunity to the dealer to market themselves via their dealers down the road or perhaps in a, a neighboring suburb or, or city. But I just want to pick up on another point that you made that perhaps dealers would lose out on sales. Surprisingly, this is not what I have seen in this particular market. What I have seen is an improvement in sales for those brands who've moved from wholesale to or traditional way of marketing to agency because of the improvement in customer experience, of course, and also because of the improved marketing by the relevant OEMs or NSC. I haven't seen many bigger dealers who, who maybe were the, the, the larger dealers in the past, particularly losing out to other dealers. Rather, it's been an improvement in sales right around the block, as it were. Gav, in terms of fleet and government, because that's quite a complex market, is that... Do you do the same with that or is it treated any differently? It really depends on the OEM and the agreements that they have with the agents or dealers. So that can either be included in the, the agency distribution model or ex specifically excluded. It's really entirely upon the agreement that the OEM or NSC comes to with their uh, dealer body. 
Now, Clive, I'm keen to get an understanding of we talked about what's what's the uh, the upside for all the parties involved, the tri-parties of the of the arrangement. So what are the challenges and the pitfalls in implementing the agency model? Before you go the route, one's got to understand whether it's going to be worth the while of the OEM or NSC or for that matter the, the dealer. We need to to understand that implementation of agency does require investment in new processes, digitalized systems, enhanced marketing and acquisition of new skills and of course for the OEM or NSC the carrying of stock. So with all of this comes an increase in costs but likewise it also comes with a decrease for the dealer in terms of the carrying of stock. So the investment in new processes and systems is obviously something that the OEM will have to handle, likewise enhanced marketing. So this will have to be included in that business case and it could be one of the challenges or pitfalls because some OEMs have the available budget and others don't and it would depend on whether the OEM actually gives credence to agency um, or maybe have has it as a, as a vision of exploring agency either in a particular market or worldwide. Bottom line, the costs would obviously need to be offset with a positive business case for the NSC and, uh, and of course for the dealers. So that I would say overall is a number of challenges and pitfalls. I would also say that it's not a one person exercise. If one is to convert to, to agency, it requires a reasonably large and I would say experienced team and on Ongoing communication and change management, not only with the headquarter, let's call it the OEM, who may be situated in a different market, but also with dealers. And dealers most definitely need to be included from day one. If you don't include dealers from day one in your change management, you could very well end up in a situation where you have dealer revolt and possibly legal issues on your hands. So it does mean, once again, that you would need to include the dealer body and a reasonably large team out of your existing NSC in order to assist in the conversion. And potentially new skills will have to be employed at both the NSC and the dealer. And for example, NSC, retail marketing now becomes more important. Perhaps they don't have uh, retail marketing skills within the NSC. I would also say that retail pricing becomes really important because at the moment, NSCs push out recommended retail pricing, but we all know that's not necessarily the transaction price. Knowledge and skills relating to transaction actual pricing now needs to be brought in-house into the NSC. On top of that, one would need someone with data science skills in order to accumulate information and make the marketing of vehicles and associated accessories more efficient and effective. Let's move to the dealer. Perhaps sales executives at dealers may need to be uh, trained in order to adapt to the new way of retailing and selling. And perhaps it's not all about hard sale and hard push to the customer, which is a good thing, by the way. Rather, it's about assisting the customer in that customer journey in order to ensure that the customer is supported and provided with appropriate offers from 
that particular brand. I would also say that it's important to note that customers going through this process don't necessarily only purchase on retail price, as we know. We know that many customers purchase on monthly pricing. What you would also need in an NSC is somebody to be expert on pricing, but monthly pricing and taking into account customers' unique financial positions, taking into account, for example, their available monthly down payments or deposits, as it's known elsewhere in some of the markets, length of contract and so on, including the settlement value of their trade-in and used car value of that trade-in. That's something that shouldn't be underestimated in terms of the NSC now needing to acquire that skill. I would also say integration of new and used car systems and the various bank settlement and trade-in values should also be evaluated and brought into the process because this could be used as a fairly accurate means to market to the customer, particularly where the customer perhaps has not even considered purchasing a new vehicle two years down the track, three years down the track. And this is very powerful. And it's something that uh, perhaps hasn't been done particularly well in the past. Clive, in terms of sales consultants, can the dealer reduce the number of sales consultants? That is something that would need to be determined by the individual dealer. What I've seen are some dealers reducing staffing within the dealership but support staffing, not necessarily sales executives. For example, do they need a new car stock controller? Perhaps not. Yes, of course, they will always need a used car stock controller, but perhaps not a new car stock controller. I haven't necessarily seen a reduction in the number of sales executives, but what I have seen, as I mentioned, is an improvement in their digital skills in order to support the customer along a digital online journey. It's interesting, Clive, the... uh... You mentioned the the need for the the settlements and that comprehension around financing. We did a podcast just recently, John, on the back of a lot of requests. It's it sort of astounds us the lack of knowledge in OEM and NSC, so in the head office and also in the national sales companies. In with most of those staff members, really aren't trained in the one hundred ones of how finance works, whether it be wholesale finance and retail finance. Everyone gets a home loan so we all sort of go okay yeah we kind of understand finance if we wouldn't get a loan but there's actually so much more to it and there's so many different levers you can pull and we talked about those in the podcast on various incentives from a sales perspective and how you can use finance to sell product uh, not just purely here's, here's some cash that you can actually we can lend you but here's some some different vehicles that we can use to finance you with and then there's the actual vehicle itself so OEM employees tend to be and, and national sales company employees tend to be let's move the metal and let's do the the stuff around the car. Whereas none of that happens unless someone's got money because new cars are more expensive than used cars. Very few people walk around with a, a $100,000 in their pocket to buy a new car. So it is very much our finance is a big part of this. And even the dealers in order to fund their business models. Now you talked about how that's not an issue going into agency for new stock, but they still need to do it for used stock. And then there is floor plan, 
caps for if you don't have agency and you're in the traditional model and all of a sudden you've overfilled with stock or you've got the wrong stock. I see that as a big plus for the agency model that you don't hit that floor plan cap uh, or ceiling and you miss out on the opportunity of selling more product because you you actually have to go on manual release if there are issues where you don't have those issues at all. But the other side of the coin is that understanding of the national sales company now has to have a very proactive finance director who it works hand in hand with the managing director and the sales director in order to have the inventory that they're prepared to say, yes, let's carry this. Otherwise, we're going to lose sales because we're not carrying the inventory that we need. The onus is very much back onto the OEM. And you mentioned about having the data scientist. They must have data scientists that really mine that data and look for trends on what to order because the order lead times aren't getting any shorter, especially in a country like here. You're still ordering six, seven months out. So even before someone's placed an order, you're order, you're thinking, what am I going to sell? Let's say we, we, we look, we're talking January 2023. We need to be forecasting the September, October arrival. Therefore, we need to be, we need to be profiling what are those options, colors, models are now, and then how many of them. So the OEM doesn't get caught out with having too much stock that they need to floor plan and then miss out on sales and then have to discount stock that doesn't sell because they've ordered the wrong stock. I see there's actually, it's there's more pressure on the OEM and the national sales company than there is on the dealer with this business model. Maybe just going back to your comment relating to finance of the vehicle. Having worked in the, the Australian market and been a CEO of a financial services organization there, I'm well aware of the impact of financial services offerings and the fact that more often than not, it is left to the finance and insurance manager within the dealership to handle. And it's not necessarily always in the interests of the consumer, although from a regulatory point of view, of course, it must be. It then becomes really important under agency for the OEM to acquire that skill, not necessarily at the same level of an F&I manager, but to acquire the skill from a marketing perspective and also to ensure that what they're offering the customer is something that the customer really wants. And when you mentioned a finance director, I would say, no, not a finance director. Yes, I'm a chartered accountant and we're not necessarily looking for a CFO in this role and an OEM. What we're looking for is someone who's maybe a financial services director, because this is the type of person who must interact very closely with the sales and marketing director in order to provide an appropriate financial services offer to the customer to ensure that what is being marketed is appropriate to the customer needs and, of course, is demanded by the market. You mentioned it in the very beginning about oversupply and undersupply. In an undersupply situation, we can definitely see that the agency model can work very well because all your stock is going out. How do OEMs and dealers handle oversupply situations? In this particular market, since the first OEM went the route of agency. So you've had a cycle of oversupply and a cycle of undersupply. And in both instances, the experience is that sales didn't deteriorate. Certainly in the first month or two, as systems were being rolled out and dealers and customers got to understand agency, there was a, a drop in the number of retail sales. But thereafter, sales tended to pick up. So I, I would say that it, 
in South Africa, we have been through both the undersupply and oversupply cycles. You asked about oversupply. We know now under agency, the new cost stock belongs to the OEM. And of course, if there's a cycle oversupply, it's the OEM stock that is going to increase. And of course, the OEM holding costs, all very good and well for the dealer. But what the OEM can now do is apply their variable marketing costs to specific models that they wish to discount and not necessarily overall to an entire model range. They could offer this on specific VIN numbers, thereby not necessarily affect the market and resale value of that particular vehicle because it's being offered through data collection and data science to specific customers and not necessarily as a broad marketing campaign or advertising campaign as it was done previously. There is very much an advantage to OEMs now being able to market through the NSCs to specific customers rather than go on a large campaign. And we all know all that does affects resale market values of the used vehicles in time to come. And in terms of when you're rolling out the model, is there a challenge around compensation for dealers in terms of their infrastructure? Or do you think, is that necessary or is it just the way it's handled or how you deal with the dealers and getting them involved in the conversation? Number one, it will depend on the regulatory environment of that particular market. In some markets, the OEM or NSC has the ability to terminate dealer agreements within a very short period of time. In other markets, it's almost impossible, let's say. And sometimes uh, there's something in between. It would depend on the market and it would also depend then upon OEMs and NSCs having that interaction with the broader dealer network in order to figure out whether compensation is necessary or perhaps whether the commissions that would come into the future could perhaps compensate for some of the investment that has been made perhaps in bricks and mortar or anything of that nature. However, we must keep in mind that because the dealer now has a more attractive balance sheet, has a lower floor plan, that it does also give the dealer the opportunity to move into the sale of used cars and perhaps other areas of the automotive business, which could augment their financial statements or alternatively could allow them to look at other opportunities. So an example of that would be they could get more involved in the parts business. So exactly. be a bit more aggressive and really take on, say, the, some of the aftermarket or be part of the aftermarket, depending on which way the dealer and the OEM wants them to go. But there's opportunities to get into accessories. Because because with agency, how is, it, how is accessories treated with the agency model? Again, on my experience, up until now, no... OEM has gone the route of agency with parts and accessories. Let's just make a distinction. I'm not talking about options on the vehicle. Options, of course, can be ordered with vehicles or perhaps are provided part of a particular package and that is uh, treated as the, the sale of the vehicle on which commission is paid. Now, we're talking about parts and accessories that are after sales when customers bring their vehicles in for service. Alternatively, where customers are wishing to buy roof racks or luggage or, or whatever else that might be of interest to the customer. The two best-selling vehicles in Australia right now are the pickups, the medium pickups, like the buckies of the world. With those vehicles, there can be up to $10,000 worth of 
if not more, of bull bars, roof racks, tow bars, sports bars, canopies. Are they sold as agency or does is that where the dealer has the opportunity to add to the agency sale by putting those on? Again, uh, just to preface, it would obviously depend upon the regulatory environment of each market. But generally speaking, the accessories, because they're owned by the dealer, are sold by the dealer. And yes, there may be a means to putting it on one invoice that would have to be determined by each particular market. But having said that, it's up to the dealer then to determine whether or not they want to make a big margin, a small margin or whatever on those particular accessories. And uh, you're quite right. Worldwide, uh, the sale of accessories is not something to be sneezed at. It forms a large part of the dealer gross margin when it comes to the sale of new or used cars for that matter. Clive, in terms of standards such as showrooms, in the future, do you think the showrooms will scope down or do they still require the same size showrooms as they've had in the past? What I've seen in this market, and I can only talk for this market at this point, is that I haven't seen showrooms getting any smaller because OEMs still require a range of their vehicles to be available for viewing. And customers still want to go into the dealership in their customer journey. They might begin it online and try and determine which particular model they're interested in and brand they're interested in for that matter. The customers generally still want to go into the dealership and sit in the vehicle, make sure that this, you know, confirm that it's the vehicle that they specifically want to purchase or finance or rent. I don't see that certainly in the short term uh, requiring a reduction in the size of the showroom. Having said that though, if it does, this is where dealers could use the opportunity to expand their showrooms for used car marketing for that particular brand, or maybe even for other used car brands, which they may be retailing, perhaps under their existing company or perhaps under a different company name and a specific organization that again would depend on the arrangements uh, between that dealer and the local NSC. Where do you see the trends going forward in automotive? Is this the end of the line as far as this is where we're going to finish up with agency or is it going to be some agency or? a hybrid of agency dealer or is there something beyond agency that you see as the uh, distribution model for vehicles? I don't believe this is where it uh, will end, Mark. And certainly we need to keep in mind that there are regulatory issues that markets have to deal with. For example, in this market, South Africa, it might be relatively easy to convert to agency, but in the United States, because of the existing arrangements between OEMs and dealers, it's quite difficult. I wouldn't see a complete conversion to agency, for example, in the United States for all brands. In some, For some brands, it may be possible, but I wouldn't see it in the US. So we have this uh, spectrum where you've got, you know, complete conversion to, to agency versus another version of agency somewhere in the middle to the old franchise model. But what is clear is that from a distribution or automotive distribution uh, perspective is that there is a clear move for the customer to pay for use rather than ownership. And a recent example of that is uh, subscription. It's uh, the buzzword around many markets. And, uh, that certainly seems to be catering to customers wanting peace of mind and uh, experience, but, but also wanting 
a variety of vehicles in a in a short period of time. So uh, what has this got to do with agency? Uh, perhaps there's an opportunity for OEMs and NSCs to be involved in that side of the business. Rideshare, of course, and uh, carshare, which uh, Australia is very familiar with. I know when I was living in uh, in Melbourne about uh, 10 years ago, I remember cardshare being available in the street just down from my apartment in the Docklands. That was already 10 years ago, but uh, the other markets uh, worldwide are still exploring rideshare and cardshare. And of course, this is becoming more and more popular. And of course, online car sales, and by that I mean uh, all of the above, including agency and the effects thereof, will have an impact on uh, automotive retailing. Now, Clive, what does talk do and how can it assist dealers and OEMs when implementing this distribution strategy of agency in automotive? I realized that there was this gap, uh, not only locally, where agency or more and more OEMs are rolling out agency, but also internationally. And there are not very many individuals who have this experience and knowledge of agency. And this is where Talk was born. Since forming the company more than a year ago, we've had uh, experience and interactions with the US, the UK, Europe, Asia, and OEMs in Australia with our experience of more than 30 years in the automotive industry. And uh, in particular, financial services, we are able to steer and provide input into items to consider and pitfalls to avoid. And of course, business case reviews could also be considered. But uh, not to be underestimated, as I said previously, is the need for financial services integration to ensure that this journey is completely online and integrated for the customer. And of course, uh, that's something uh, in which I'm quite familiar. As I said, it's not that often that uh, you have an organization that has both automotive and financial service to assist OEMs on this journey. Thank you, Clive. It's uh, been a fascinating discussion. This is a very hot topic and one that continues to evolve. It's one that we we, we cover off and, and we, we're watching the changing landscape here. And it's great that there is actually a test market, I think, for the world to learn from, which is what the market that you're in right now in South Africa, because uh, there's been a lot of learnings and there's now enough data to go by. And I'm a big fan of data. And I love the fact that you outlined that in one of the key positions that each national sales company needs to have is a data, someone who can data mine and forecast. Because agency goes from moving stock to dealers, dealers selling to customers and that, and having the different prices and different service levels that those different dealers would provide. We now have one that's controlled by the sales company. So same price, ideally the same sales experience, and therefore it's consistent from a customer perspective. So it starts with the customer and that works backwards. So it helps the, the sales company gets a better picture of what's going on because they're closer to the customer. But there are benefits for the dealers whereby there's no longer the need to floor plan and, and fund these, these vehicles and maybe get it wrong or have too much stock. So the inventory and all the pressure really rests back on the OEM and the OEM's got to get it right. So even, the, even to the point where local area marketing is no longer done by the dealer, it has to be done by the OEM and the sales company. So the sales company, there's if, if they think they will go down agency and it's going to be easier for them, sadly mistaken because there's more work and more accountability to get it right on the national sales company perspective. The OEM, the factory still spits out the cars. You need to make sure you order the right cars and you get it to the customer.
customer and you pay the agent to deliver it for you and then service it for you. So really, more pressure on the OEM and the uh, and the sales company. There's pluses too because there's not that continuous inconvenience of who owns the customer. Is it the dealer or is it the OEM? It's the OEM and the dealer helps <clears throat> the customer with that interaction. And we're also seeing that it's not going to happen everywhere. So it's not for every market. It's not for every car company. So And because there's changes with subscription and with different usership versus ownership, everyone needs to be across this key feature. And I think one thing you really highlighted to me is the need to understand the finance side of things, whether it be the retail finance side of things, the wholesale finance side of things from the dealer and even from the national sales company, but even just the mechanisms that customers buy. Is it lump sum? Is it interest rate? Is it monthly payments, weekly payments? It's an understanding, well, if you get weekly payments, is it then a, do we then migrate to subscription? So there's all these different ways that you really need to own, not only just look at who owns the car and sells the car, it's how does the customer buy the car and how does the customer interact financially with the car? And then the opportunities to turn over the vehicles because you, you're aware of the, the bailment and the payout that you need to do. For example, the payouts for the, uh, the settlements for used cars and the settlements for new cars. And you can transact that so that everyone, there is financial security for everyone, but also better transparency as to what's actually going on. So there's a lot going on in an agency and it really is a bigger beast than I think most people are aware of. I would like to say two things. Number one, for those dealers who perhaps watching, I have done a number of dealer and dealer group interviews for the brands that have converted to agency in this country. And I've yet to find one dealer who has had a negative experience and who wants to go back to the way of wholesale or franchise. So that is uh, point number one. And then point number two is to both you, Mark, and John, thank you very much for the opportunity to chat about this very important and I would say interesting uh, topic, which I certainly believe is not going to go away. There are too many OEMs now looking at the opportunity to roll out agency worldwide. Tom, if someone wants to get hold of you, where do they make contact with you? Perhaps the best is to go to the website, www.torq.co.za. A fantastic discussion with Clive and definitely opened my eyes to some of the other key factors around the market, local area marketing obligations of the OEM or the sales company. And it's actually better news for the deal for most dealers than what I think most dealers realize. Thanks very much for listening. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube. We're also available on iTunes and Spotify.